Welcome to the King James Bible Seminary. My name is Myron Boffman and I'll be your instructor today in the Word of the Lord. And we are going to be looking at the historic books today in our class. Uh, this is the historic books class and First Chronicles will be the book we're dealing with today with um, inter as an introduction. We'll be dealing with the first 15 verses in particular, but we are going to cover more than just the first chapter. We're going to give you a general outline and also include a little bit of information on Second Chronicles. <clears throat> so if you'll be so kind as to turn to First Chronicles chapter 1, we'll get started with the lesson. Our prayer is that um, y'all receive a blessing from our classroom study and that you'll continue on in your studies, not just in the classroom, but uh, make this just the beginning point. And we don't always, we don't say that th we have the final say as to what, it, what the interpretation of everything is. We expect you to study to show thyself approved. Um, <clears throat> may the Lord Jesus Christ be honored and glorified in what we say and do today, and anything in error be cast down and forgotten. First Chronicles chapter 1, we'll get started with uh, today's lesson, That's, you should have had time to find it, it's um, uh, just before Psalms and Proverbs. Uh, let's see, we're just going to, we're not going to read all these names, we're just going to hit a few here. Verse 1, Adam, Seth, Enosh. Uh, Adam, of course, the first man. Uh, name means red, uh, like he was taken from the red dust. And uh, <clears throat> uh, he is basically described though not outwardly, but through um, hints that Adam was a righteous man. Because what we have here in that line, we have Adam, then Seth listed right after Adam as being righteous. And then Enosh, <clears throat> um, also righteous. We don't have a mention of uh, Cain, the one who slew the righteous Abel, he is not listed here. <clears throat> for um, there's there's reasons for that. Uh, verse two, we have um, we just we just follow down the line there. Jared, then here's another familiar Methuselah. Uh, he lived the longest of anybody in recorded history. Uh, and uh, it's interesting that some people would theorize, well, the years were shorter then. That would, uh, of course, make the earth closer to the sun, since a year, the standard for a year has not changed over time. So if the years were shorter, 
and we would be closer to the sun in order to get over 900 years of lifespan on anybody that would imply that the earth was a lot closer to the sun <clears throat> uh, it would be a lot hotter of a climate um, however if you backtrack over the years of how much the earth deviates away from the earth on its rotation it would no, it'd be nowhere close to what it would have to be in order to eat, reach over 900 years of life of a lifespan. It would it would have to be I think it was uh, calculated to have to be closer than the planet Venus. It would have to be very a lot closer, and which means we would all be burning up. So that idea doesn't work. Uh, next is verse four. Uh, Noah and his sons, uh, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Shem is, uh, th that's the way it's spelled and pronounced usually in English, but I do believe you can drop the H and just simply have uh, Sem, because he is a, <clears throat> this is the Semites. Then Ham, uh, Ham is the one that's uh, sinned against his father Noah when Noah was uh, drunk. Uh, let's see, then uh, Japheth. Um, <clears throat> we'll get into what each family is here. Japheth was the father of the Gentiles. Now then we get the sons of Japheth. It expands out from Japheth. Japheth, we have Gomer, and if you look at an old map, you'll be able to see where these families settled. Uh, then Magog, now that sounds familiar. <clears throat> Japheth is uh, the father of all Gentiles, so Magog is a general term for the Gentiles. Uh, you got Javan, Tubal. Then the sons of Gomer. Um, sons of Ham, of course, those are Cush, Put, and of interest is Canaan, as in Canaanites, the land of Canaan in the Old Testament. Okay, of course, the sons of Cush, Sheba. Now, the queen of Sheba was Ethiopian. Uh, let's see. Going down, Cush begat Nimrod. Nimrod, the name is um, not a actually a a name that stands for goodness. Um, overall, it does uh, have the annotation here. He was a mighty man uh, on the earth. He had. Quite a few accomplishments. Okay, then you got, um, let's see, going down to verse 13, there is Canaan begat uh, this family here, including verse 14, the Jebusite and the Amorite. The Jebusite, if 
founded Jerusalem. So Jerusalem was initially Canaanite. <clears throat> and the Canaan, Canaanites and the Jebusites had to be driven out later. So going down, let's see, the sons of Sem, Elam, Asher. Uh, let's see. Now there's a, I've noticed there's some churches named within, uh, have the name Elam included as part of it. Not sure exactly why. Uh, that's their choice. <clears throat> it would seem to be making Hebrew le leaning. Uh, okay, so the first um, the first ten uh, chapters of First Chronicles concerns genealogies, as we see here in our first chapter, that goes from Adam on up all the way through King David and Solomon. Uh, it shows the various origins of nations in a rough sketch and shows uh, basically the, the, this genealogy is there to show the legitimacy of King David's right to the throne. <clears throat> After chapter 10, uh, the reign of King David has gone into as a supplement to what has already been said about him in the book of Kings. Both Chronicles, uh, Chronicles 1 and 2, seek to sum up in short form certain events, not all events, but certain events concerning the kingdom of Judah. And it's basically intended to augment or enhance the books of the kings. First and Second Kings, with additions that may have been left out, <clears throat> or may may have been needed to have been expanded. Now, in uh, Second Chronicles uh, ten, we finally get information about uh, the division of the kingdom with Rehoboam. So, after that, the northern kingdom is basically viewed as apostate viewed as apostate in second chronicles now second chronicles ends with the babylonian exile coming to an end and cyrus the great uh, issuing the decree that ended the exile now the fact that the last chapter of second chronicles is repeated in part in Ezra chapter 1 may indicate that they both either had the same redactor, the same author, or they were perhaps all just part of one book. Uh, first and Second Chronicles, <coughs> excuse me, were not separate books until the Alexandrian translation, which uh, later Jerome made popular with his usage. Um, if you remember the Jews in Alexander, Alexandria, Egypt translated the Hebrew text into the popular Greek version of the Septuagint. Now the author is really not known, but uh, there's a lot of different ideas about who actually put this together. 
Uh, some have thought that the author was Ezra. Um, it is um, positive, however, that it was written after the captivity, even though we don't know for sure who did the writing. Uh, since the last chapter details how Cyrus the Great released the Jews to go back to their homeland. Now, let's take a look at a few details of the book. And we'll start in particular with uh, chapter 1, of course. The listing, uh, the listing generally follows the righteous line of Adam. As stated in previous lessons in Genesis, Adam uh, was a righteous man according to the wording and grouping him, how he's grouped with the righteous uh, in the first five chapters. Of particular note, in our present chap chapter here, we see Adam and then righteous Seth. Of course, as we had mentioned before, there is no side note or anything about Cain, the murderer of Abel. So he and his unrighteousness are left out and forgotten, and his family pretty much were, even though they had great accomplishments <clears throat> and were worldly successes, successes in the world, they accomplished things. Now in verse 4 of our chapter here, we see Noah is listed with his three sons, uh, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. The Semites are of the family of Shem. And as I said, you can probably just leave the H out to get a clear understanding that we're dealing with the Semites. Now their family, that's the, the Jewish family. Yes, okay. Their, fa their family listing starts in verse 17. Now, of interest here is the cryptic words Peleg, capital P-E-L-E-G, then there's a colon, as if there needs an explanation there, uh, because in his days the earth was divided. That's in verse 19. Some have really come up with some wild theories as to what that means. Um, some theorize that it may actually refer to the division of the continents. Um, you know, how uh, Africa separated and uh, the western continent broke away and drifted away and is still drifting away from the other ones. <clears throat> the European and Asian continent. Uh, also, by the way, as a footnote, the their Africa itself is today is still doing a split in the. I believe there's a big, um, huge split happening where uh, Somalia is. Uh, part of the continent is going further to the west, where Somalia and the section of the of Eastern Africa is staying right where it's at. So Africa may end up with another break in the next what, few centuries or so. And uh, it 
that break may look like another Saudi Arabia type thing. It's not the size of Africa or even half of it, but it's part of it's broke away. <clears throat> Anyways, let's let's continue on. Uh, now, so more likely than talking about continental shift, um, more likely this refers to the division of people and nations instead of land masses. Uh, now we see this in Genesis chapter 10 verse 5 that says, quote, By these were the isles of the Gentiles divided in their lands, every one after his tongue, after their families, in their nations. So, just a little further along in the book of Genesis in chapter 11, we see there the Tower of Babel being the cause of the dispersion of people from a centralized area because of language. Differences in the language. Now the uh, family of Ham, also listed as Cush, uh, Mizraim, Put, and Canaan. Now those are usually associated with the Arabs. They're not the same thing as Semites. And those that settled in the African continent. Uh, the <coughs> Canaanites basically settled in what is generally called Palestine. I don't really like to use that term there. It's got a lot of misunderstanding associated with it. Now the uh, seven nations that had to be driven out of that area by Israel after the exodus out of Egypt were of this family, the Canaanites. Thus also we see the city of Jerusalem was of the Jebusite family, as listed in 1 Chronicles chapter 1, verse 14. The Amorites and Hivites, or Hevites, were considered enemies of the kingdom of Israel and of Judah. Uh, God commanded that these people be removed from the area due to their corruption and pagan ways. That command, nor the promise to Abraham concerning the land, has never been negated. Thus we can say, without question, the Jews have a legitimate right to their homeland to this very day. Their acquisition of the land really wasn't a result of some decision back in the beginning of the 20th century, but had its roots in the Old Testament. Lastly, we see the family of Japheth listed as a son of Noah. His children were Gomer, Magog, uh, Madai, and Javan. And he had seven sons in all. Here we see the word familiar to the Revelation students, Magog. It is also found in Ezekiel chapter 38. Japheth is the father, therefore, of all the Gentiles. <clears throat> so there's uh, basically three divisions of the um, 
human race there at this point. Japheth, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. However, we're, on, we're all of the human race. We, we're not um, playing favorites. So, uh, in, the, um, in the great battle of the last days, Magog, led by Gog, capital G-O-G, uh, Gog was the apparent name of a single leader of Magog, the Gentiles, uh, they will surround the camp of the saints as enemies of the kingdom of God. Now, this would be due to an apparent failure of evangelization at the time, and as a result of the rebellious heart of mankind against God. Owing to the fact that Ezekiel doesn't mention a battle of Armageddon, it is thought by many that those two accounts of battles refer only to one and the same battle, uh, but described in slightly different ways. So, what do we know about First Chronicles that makes it important to us? This is the nitty-gritty of the lesson here. First, why is um, First Chronicles important? First, look at the long list of names. They have no descriptions to them, it's just names. The question is, so what? The answer is that it shows that people are important. What some of these people did is actually recorded elsewhere. So, we can observe from this that we are important also. Each one of us. Secondly, we can see that not only are we important, but what we do is important. It is so important that our actions are recorded in God's books in heaven. Uh, see Revelation chapter 20. Uh, we are either judged or rewarded by our lives and actions and words. So, our lives are important no matter where we live in the history of the world or where in the world we live. Uh, what we do with the time that we are given is therefore very, very important. We need to be careful not to waste it as time Time is one of our most valuable assets that God gives us. Also, these lists of names are very old. That indicates that God doesn't forget us. That is reassuring. Those who have passed away are not ever forgotten, though they may turn to dust. Memory of a family member may only last a generation or two. But God doesn't forget. He will remember us on the last day. He will remember us on resurrection day. And we will rise, we will all rise in him to meet him in the air. So, this book of names reminds us of the book of life. The question is, is your name in that book? It is a record of those who live by faith. It is the faith given to us as a free gift. 
It cannot be earned, and it only comes through Jesus Christ. It is our hope of our eternal future. Faith, among many things, is trust. Faith, you could describe it in many ways, but basically it is trust. It can be described also as confidence. Faith is confidence. So, how confident are you in God and His Christ? How confident are you in your salvation? How confident are you in the resurrection? Faith is confidence. Now this has some other thoughts going with this. This means that if you live by faith, you have a life of confidence. That's positive, isn't it? If you live by faith, you live a life of confidence. The faith once delivered to the saints is a victorious faith of which we need not be ashamed. Thus, God calls us to have victory daily. We live in confidence with God. We live with confidence in God daily. He doesn't forget us, and we don't forget Him. This is the way we are to live our Christian lives to His glory. And may Jesus Christ be praised. Let's uh, close this lesson with a word of prayer. Okay. Heavenly Father, we, we thank Thee for this list of names. We thank Thee for Your holy records of our lives that our names are written down in glory. Yes, it's mine. And we thank Thee for Your grace that has brought this about. We thank Thee also that it is a free gift because we could never be good enough or do enough. Thank Thee for Jesus Christ being our Lord and Savior. We also thank Thee for the Holy Spirit who teaches us these things, convicts us of our sin and brings us close to Thee. Thank Thee that He is the one that draws alongside us, and because He is there, He draws us alongside Thee. Pray now that You'll just be with us as we seek to serve Thee uh, this day as well as the days to follow, if it be Thy will. And that uh, You'll bless our efforts to please Thee. Help us, Lord, to serve Thee with thanksgiving. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem and for the repentance of our nation that it will turn to Thee. We ask that You'll help us to do our part in our service for the kingdom. Help us not to be slack. Increase our faith, our confidence, and our love for Thee. For it is in the name of Jesus Christ we pray these things with thanksgiving. Amen.